Alright, hello and welcome back to Enter the Asylum, a podcast where two brothers try and watch every single asylum film. We're your delectable hosts, Benjamin. And John. How's it going, John? Oh, good. I've had a pretty mellow week. Uh, something I want to mention uh, is uh, last week, I uh, I think I quoted the, uh, an old Nostalgia Critic uh, review um, and just freaking perfect timing, timing on choice. that. Yeah. Can't, couldn't get better timing on that. I managed to quote an old Nostalgia Critic review the same week that a 60-something page document uh, uh, from former Channel Awesome uh, contributors dumps uh all over the internet um so and uh yeah pretty uh pretty messed up situation there so um yeah <laughs> so that's fun uh again master of timing there uh you know next week i'll be talking about how much i love john tron and pewdiepie i'm sure a bit too late for that <laughs> um but yeah the whole nostalgia critic situation pretty messed up uh pretty sad to see um it's been it's been kind of funny. The I've been watching like a whole bunch of YouTube videos, people's takes on uh, the situation. Um, I think the best one has been the the guy who did the Fallen Titans video on it. That was probably the best overall uh, summary of the entire situation. Um, it's funny though there's been a few where like people have been uh going well these are you know unverified uh you know accounts uh you know uh, uh you know they're linked to like you know twitter uh tweets and you know just descriptions of it and stuff and if it was only like one or two people come out with it i would understand that i would understand holy some skepticism over it's like that everyone, but though. when it's like 15 people all saying pretty much the same thing i think you can kind of take their word at it it just comes across as pedantic at that point so um but anyway so that's a shame uh but anyway that's what i gotta say about that and you know what has never gone to any sort of controversial issues never they've never been not... <laughs> sued they've never uh, been asked to change never. the titles of their uh, movies does anyone know what this is it's the asylum of course they have their bastions of Safe and um, clean, clean you know, safe, clean, clean family, friendly, safe, family friendly. They're most well known for their, of course, their famous films, uh, Sunday School Musical <laughs> and the Pony Island Party. Pony Island Party, isn't it that fake Lemony Snicket book? <laughs> well, it's I'm, what? What's the sign one? It's um, the Pony Castle. I or don't remember. I honestly don't remember. The Girl and the Pony. I don't something know something like that. The Pony Party is the um. <laughs> Excuse me. It is the Lemony Snicket. It's the book, it's the but... it's the fake Lemony Snicket book. Oh man, with the with the with the reversible cover where you take the you take the the real cover and you switch it around and it's like the Pony Party. Man, that little that little cameo in the film. I mean the, the TV it show. Right, is right. awesome. Yeah, it shows up in the Netflix show, which is fantastic. I I love it to death. Neil Patrick Harris is just absolutely killing it. For sure. You know who also is killing it? Uh, the, the King of the Ants. <laughs> the, char- the main characters in this film we just watched today. King of the Ants. Technically an asylum film, but um, not... This film is definitely different. It's not... Yeah, it's... Well, firstly, it wasn't like written or directed by the Asylum guys. It was produced by the Asylum, but that's about the end of their involvement in it. Um, but um, yeah, this is this is like... 
actually a competent movie. Which is amazing. And a breath of fresh relief. Um, much more Tarantino. The last previous two films. Much yeah, more Tarantino-esque sort of... than the quote-unquote Tarantino-esque asylum film. For sure. Killers. Um, this film still has some problems. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. There, there's some issues with it. They're actually, um, anytime they had like a dream sequence or like sort of a weird like hallucinatory sequence. They got sent to the surge. It, it felt very asylum-esque. The camera started doing mm-hmm. weird little things and like, you know, weird little like, you know, zoom in, zoom out, swinging back and forth. It started doing little asylum-y things. Uh, but when it wasn't doing that, it was actually a pretty solid movie on the whole um directed by Stuart gordon who's like an actual director like has actually you know like has done actual rock basically for for years and years so our tagline is to watch every film asylum has ever produced so this film definitely still falls under the allowed films to watch Mm -hmm. so um let's get into it right now uh, the film starts off with a man painting an orange wall white, which you could imagine represents numerous uh, deep intellectual and potentially even spiritual uh, sim- uh, symbolic. Solid, solid, solid title sequence. I got to say, like the credits were like you know a little bit. I'm being serious. It was a little bit like you know creative. Yeah, like you know the text, like you know had like a nice touch to it. Um, you know, nice kind of little time lapse sequence where like this guy's just like painting this red wall white. Um, and uh, yeah, he's um, yeah, and, and the uh, there's lots of nice little like jump cuts. Uh, it's it's you know it's it's pretty well paced. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I liked it. A man by the name of Duke Wayne. Um, I don't we believe we ever get his true first oh, we should, name. We should, yeah, our, our main character is called Sean, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the painter, the guy, so, the guy yeah, painting yeah. the wall. Yeah, Duke comes in to fix the power and meets Sean Crawley, um, which is our main man's name. And he's just been hired to like paint a wall, basically, at this person's house. Yeah, Duke and Sean talk about, I guess, life or whatever. Um, Sean has the personal dream of being a private eye, uh, which Duke says it's absurd and never happened. Well, he doesn't seriously say that. He, he just, like, Duke says, like, so, kid, you got, like, a dream? And he's like, what, what do you mean? Like, I don't know, you ever think about being something? I'm, he was like, I don't know, like, private eye or something? He's like, really, private eye? And he's like, nah, it's, whatever. Like, I, I feel like he just kind of pulled that out of his ass. No, he's real into it, though, because he makes a little like, yeah, man, you could get all the babes, the boobs, and blood. <laughs> Go for the Birdemic <laughs> quote. I like it. Um, So he goes back, he goes around living sort of life. We get a little montage of him. Uh, Duke, like heading home Duke we should home. also mention, played by George Wendt, who is like, feels like a low-rent John Goodman in this, uh, in this movie. He uh, uh, just extremely john goodman-esque mm. he's in cheers so oh i didn't he know that some, yeah he has some acting background oh okay for sure uh nowhere near near no nowhere near john name. goodman of course but yeah so later he then eventually gets a call from duke to meet to meet up with a man uh named ray matthews play sort of Oh. Go no, go ahead. Who's he played by? He's played by uh, Danny Baldwin, uh, younger brother to uh, Alec Baldwin. Uh-huh. So Ray Matthews is this sort of scummy businessman um, who likes to play golf and doesn't want to get his hands dirty. 
so he asks uh, Sean to follow a man around town who is uh, part of some sort of anti-corruption uh, kind he, of... He's an accountant working for City Hall, and he's been keeping tab... He, um, basically, Ray, uh, Matthews runs this construct. He's a mobster. He runs his construction company. Obviously, some you know illegitimate business practices happening there. And yeah, this accountant from City Hall has been keeping tabs on him. And uh, he, Ray wants uh, Sean to keep an eye on him. Mm. Um, she basically follows um, him around town, see, I guess, what he's doing. Follows him on a bicycle, uh, which is very endearing, yeah. like in L.A. Oh, he's awful. He's awful at him. Oh, he's terrible at it. <laughs> he's so bad. <laughs> and this plays in the plot a little bit, yes. surprisingly enough. Um, he's super terrible at um, following people. Uh, he's always like right next to him at all times. Even when he, they're on, like on like the transit, yeah, they're on the he's, subway. Like, he's yeah, he's standing right next to him, kind of looking at him aggressively. And somehow, and somehow, like even when he's standing like right outside City Hall, and they like walk past each other, somehow this guy doesn't recognize him. Like, hey, you're that little bike kid. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, at some point, he eventually, uh, while spying on his house, uh, he sees his wife, which he immediately falls in love with. And this sort of weird, uh, psychotic esque. What's the word there? Oh, I I don't know. He he has this he has this weird sort of like little vision where like he like imagines himself with her. Uh, I think Susan's her name. Um, he just sort of like yeah. he immediately starts like fantasizing about her. Um, and I think on the second day when he's uh, tailing uh, the accountant guy. He uh, splits off for a little bit to actually follow the wife who works at a uh, homeless shelter in Skid Row. Called the Midnight Mission. The Midnight I Mission, yes. Um, while he's following him, uh, he eventually uh, discovers the man is talking to a reporter and is delivering important documents mm-hmm. of some sort. Yeah, and the, and the little plaza right across from City Hall, they just, like, meet out in the open, and, like, hey, he starts showing the reporter stuff. Uh, he brings his information to Duke, and Duke is basically immediately worried about this, and tells what a great job Sean is doing. In a heartfelt scene that lasts a second. By the way, while we're talking about, like, uh, all these various scenes around downtown and stuff, decent cinematography, uh, uh, this is, um... Had a kind of um, kind of reminded me of Repo uh, a little bit, but it's got that like real like '90s LA grits. There's like you know like newspapers and plastic bags and like the street gutters and whatnot. Everything's really smoggy. It's it's got that like real real like rundown vibe to it, and I appreciate that. Uh, later, Sean, while walking home, gets picked up uh, by Ray who's been waiting for him for like an hour or so. Yeah, the, the way that scene was set up, it, it I wasn't quite clear where they were at or if they were supposed to meet or anything. Yeah. I assume it's next to his house or something. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so they talk a bunch, and Ray gives his super scummy trash uh, antidote story. He's drunk. He's got, oh, yeah, he's, got like a, he, he's got like a he's got like a two thirds empty bottle of uh, 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 Jameson whiskey. 
It's this long, sort of convoluted story he's trying to tell to get to the point. Which, but, by the um, way, which, by the way, coming from Danny Baldwin is <laughs> extremely believable. He didn't even that wasn't even like scripted. He just he just had the the whiskey bottle on him, and they just decided to shoot it. Hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, basically he, uh, the story is basically about always taking out people who are in your way. Anyway, um, he wants Sean to kill some, to kill the same person he's been following. Uh, yeah, it's some like generic mobster thing of of just like, yeah, of, of like, you know, I snuffed him out, you know? Yeah. Um, so he basically wants to kill, uh, this man for 13 grand, though the Ringel ice was five grand. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he sort of like he sort he sort of like grill he grills Sean a little bit about like you know like uh, uh, would you know would you do it and and Sean sort of like um well uh um because like he's just like just getting into this so he's just sort of like uh, I don't know what's going on really but um he's sort of like okay well I guess if the conditions were right if if like and it's, it's kind of a, a fun scene because like he gets sort of like flustered yeah. he like he like sort of like starts like like listing reasons but then he starts like miscounting and uh um you know kind of tripping over his own words kind of like i am right now um <laughs> you're fine don't worry and uh so th- so then he goes i think and then he goes okay so you know how much would it be worth and he goes 15 grand and he go and and uh, danny baldwin goes five and and to Sean's credit, he just sort of like stares blankly back at him, <laughs> and he goes, ten grand." D- Danny Baldwin goes like, ten grand," and and like you know, still kind of a blank stare. It's like thirteen, and Sean agrees to that. So he's agreed to kill this man. Um, yeah, it's amazing. This film is I didn't see the script once anywhere. Which is amazing. The previous sign films, I just look there's there's a script. Is that the script over there? That's a script. That the script. I didn't see it once. I didn't script. see it once in this film. That's what? really What's that on the table? Um, is that the script? Yeah, so he gets his murder watch, outfit on. Watch it now. Now that we've made a red letter media reference, watch us like bacon to trouble next week. <laughs> no. Uh oh. Um Okay, his outfit for murdering is some dumb garbage. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's a obvious. it's a big black motorcycle helmet with the visor down, and he's got like a uh, like a blazer, and he's got like a big du- black duffel bag. Now, what is interesting is he's took all these pieces of his costume from, I guess, uh, wandering homeless people. No, 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 no. He he gives it when he finishes the job. He gives it. Back. He, oh, what he, I, oh, what I assumed is what he asked for those pieces and then he bought them. No, back. no, no. He just needs to get rid of the evidence, so he just handed them out, which was okay. smart. I, 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 I like that. I like that. So I thought it would have been really interesting if he asked like a bunch of homeless people specific items they're wearing and then gives them back to them after no, that time. No, 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 no. To make no, it no. even more like we, we don't see I don't how he gets this outfit. He just has it all of a sudden. Um, and um, I, I, I figure he just bought it. But yeah, no, him giving uh, the stuff to the the homeless, like the gloves and the helmets and the blazer and everything. I figured that's just him getting rid of the evidence. Sure. Um. So yeah, he goes to the house. Of the man, um, well, he's, and he proceeds well, he's home alone. Yeah, he proceeds to kill him, and a surprisingly well done death scene. Actually, it's visceral. 
It's really rough. It's intense, yeah. and it's like it's it's built up. There's there's real tension to this movie. Like they do a fantastic job, really building it up because like he's obviously like really nervous really uncomfortable about doing it um but like he he basically he he goes and he says like oh your your wife sent me i'm from the the mission uh in downtown um and i you know can i leave a message for her and he's like uh, I, I don't I don't have a uh, a paper or pen. He goes, oh, hang on, I'll go grab some. So he goes to the kitchen, and so while he's in the kitchen, he you know sneaks in and then takes a little like ornament and just whacks him across the head. And really, really good makeup in this film. Just bloody, yeah, visceral, nasty stuff. Um, but God, it's effective. Yeah, there's some rough stuff in there. The part where he's sort of trying to get up and he slips on the blood. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh, yeesh. This is a real movie, to be clear. Yeah, I mean, this, this is, is an actual This film. is nothing like sta- uh, uh, like the standard asylum fare. This is like an actual movie made by people who clearly knew what they were doing. You know, when we also prove that it's a real film? What? This I'm going to give everyone a round of applause right now. This film was an hour and 30 minutes long. Yes! All right? Yes! Woo! Thank you! <laughs> Congrats! Congrats, Simon. We finally it did hit it. hit the 90-minute mark. Congratulations, Asylum. We knew you could eventually do it. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I had almost forgotten to bring that up myself. <laughs> um, so uh, after doing this, his mental state begins to deteriorate mm-hmm. pretty dramatically. He, yeah, he has like PTSD over the whole thing. And he's sort of like the whole scene where like he's like uh, – ditching his outfits and like giving the various like pieces to to homeless people on the street he's like walking the streets in a daze just like stunned uh it's a really well done scene mm-hmm. i think also the death scene also like it, it's also like like drawn out for a lot because he like he hits him across the the forehead with with the oh, yeah, ornament yeah. and that doesn't this. kill him so like he hits he hits him again over the head and that knocks him down um and, and then drops a flower and pot. And then, yeah, there's a flower pot on top of the and fridge. And then a fridge. Well, yeah, he, he there's a flower pot on top of the fridge, so then he takes that and then bashes that over his head. So you're kind of like, okay, so it may look like an accident. It looks like the flower pot, you know, fell off the fridge onto his head. But then he, like, he, he, go, he goes, like, wash the blood off his hands for a moment. He turns back, and the, he's sitting back up against the fridge. So then, like, he, like, beats him down again. And then to kill him, tips the fridge over onto him <laughs> so it, it's it's sort of like he he's like he he's he's being violent but he's can't he can't quite bring himself to be violent enough to just to do it quickly yeah it's intense um, and very that, very the, the well bit done when you get, i do i was actually also spooked when the bit when they they quick flashed him actually getting up. Yes. He's now standing up at the. Yeah, because he makes a little like groan like behind him. He turns around. He's just up there sitting up and like for a second I thought it was actually like a, a hallucination or something. Yeah. But no, it, it's just real. It was a really well done scene. Um. He also then steals the, the documents that um. He was, he got yes. From the, they, uh, yeah. He was reporter. the The info he was collecting on uh uh the the mobster. It's after this whole thing happens. Uh, he later gets a call from Duke. Uh, who wants to talk to him at the zoo, and apparently he has messed up somehow. Mm. Um, he goes to Duke, and he reveals that killing the man was not part of the plan at all. Um, 
And it was actually Ray basically doing that in a drunken stupor. Yeah. To do this. Danny Baldwin. Um, Danny Baldwin was just talking shit. He didn't actually. He didn't actually want the guy killed. He was just. He was just blasted out of his mind. He tells Sean to leave town or else. Uh, <laughs> um, Sean, however, uh, has basically hid the documents uh, with his friend, so they'd have to basically keep him in the city and keep him alive as well, or risk losing losing the files and potentially their but, but, sort of life. But he doesn't tell him that in the zoo scene. What happens is at first he like he refuses. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to leave town. And um, low-rent John Goodman chokes him out in the insect house, which I'm not sure how, you know, no one else, you know, noticed this. I guess our zoo... No one goes to the insect no, house. No one, yeah, no one goes to the insect house. You're right. Um, <laughs> oh, and, and this is where the title... I, and, and I, I say this only because this is where the title of the film comes oh, in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I got to write this down. He, uh, um, basically, he like while they're at the zoo, they've been just having like a little like banter where he's been going like, uh, you ever played the game of like, you know, what animal does your friend look like? And he's sort of like, he points over an elephant. It's like, now, nah, yeah, of course, you're going to say the obvious answer and say, you know, I look like an elephant, you know, but come on, let's be a bit more creative than that, you know. And all the while, Sean's just like, okay, what the fuck? What, what's going on? Um, so when he gets to the inside house and he refuses to leave town, he like, uh, uh, Duke chokes him out. Um, and then when like, he like falls on the ground gasping, he looks up and sees like, uh, a, a, a tank with a little anthill in it. And he goes, Oh, Hey, I found you. You're, you're an ant. Look, there you are. You're just a pathetic little insect. You're an ant. That's all you are. Um, and then he leaves. Yeah, so, um, see, the plan is to basically give uh, Sean a ticket to Chicago and basically just leave. A train um, ticket. Yeah. This is when Sean reveals he, he hid the documents with his By friend. the way, they, they, they kidnap him and they drive him, my own little pet peeve here, they drive him to the Burbank Airport train station, which is not where you get on the train to Chicago. You get on the train to Chicago at Union Station, the the actual train station here, the big one. I don't know why they didn't use Union Station uh, for it, because it's, you know, the obvious one, but but there you have it. Biggest blunder ever. You, you got my trains wrong. You're supposed to be at this train station. Um, so... Because they're a stalemate, they basically take him to a sort of bunker house in the desert. Yeah, it's this like it's this like suburban tract home looking thing that's just like out in a big dirt lot in the middle of nowhere. Um, kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, the the motel from L.A. Confidential, but it's not nearly that picturesque. It's um no no I know what it is. You know what it looks like? It looks like the house from Arrested Development, where it's just the <laughs> one tract home sitting just in the middle of a giant like just big blank expanse of dirt that's what it looked like hmm. uh he finally confronts ray um as they basically time up to a chair as uh, sean that is in, yeah uh, in, the, in the shed on, on this property in the middle of nowhere they're just big assholes to uh sean and then they sort of knock him around well yeah they they so basically they're gonna beat it out of him where the um where the where the the file where he's keeping the the, the documents and this is where the movie gets like really tough, like really intense. I thought it was dumb, actually, but we'll get into that. Uh, 
I, I actually oh. thought it was pretty well done. All, all of the all of the sequences where like he's he's dreaming, uh, between like in the day and like at night, like between like because they basically they beat him during the day and at night he's just like he's just going out of his mind. Um, but yeah, do you want to uh, set the scene here? Sure, sure. Yeah. So Ray's basically threatens that um he's gonna smash his head in until eventually goes brain dead basically um with a golf club so uh that didn't make sense by the way like if the idea is like oh i'm gonna make you forget the documents like okay well then why not just kill him i guess they want him alive for whatever reason i guess well i i know i guess what they really want is him to give the information that's what that's what they really wanted but but then like he starts talking it's like okay i'm gonna whack you upside the head and it's gonna like you really fuck your brain up um, but then it's like, okay, so if you cause brain damage, then he's going to forget where the files are, which is basically the same thing as killing him. So I, yeah. that, didn't also, make it, that didn't make any sense to me. Sean's plan itself doesn't make a lot of sense because I'm not sure he ever told his friend to release the information or not. It, he, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. He was bluffing. I, I that, that was my take on it. Mm. He was bluffing. Um being like oh yeah if, if you kill me then it's it's that information is going to get released um oh speaking of which uh we we skipped over uh uh something i, I thought was funny was um after he killed the accountant he sees a little news report about it and the person giving a news report is that oh, right. same news reporter oh, yeah, yeah. that he saw uh, the accountant giving the information to and the hilarious thing is the news reporter literally says um, but I was given information uh, uh, from this from the same accountant who was killed about this mobster uh, so which I'm just like okay there's no way he would say that on TV what's even funny I think on that report too they also mentioned that the the crime was that would, meant that's to a look great like a fake way of painting burglary. a target uh, on your back it's like just like okay so this person who knew too much about this mobster was killed uh hey everybody i know the same information about this mobster <laughs> um yeah so this is when and, we can and, and that's and that's all we hear about it that's that's the end of that but anyway um yeah. skipping back to where we uh were in the desert so yeah they, they smash his head in with the golf club um yes they repeat numerous yeah basically how the down works is um they they tear every, off the day they tear yeah. off a little piece of foam mattress a little like a uh like a little bit of memory foam um and they uh wrap it around his head so he's blindfolded but it's like totally around his head and then he takes uh a, a, a golf club and whacks him upside onto the head uh where the mattress is tied so i guess the idea is um I think what they say, although I don't believe, I don't think they would work this way. But what they what they say is like, oh, we'll tie the match for him, and that won't leave any mark. Uh, but it will still, you know, rattle his cage. Um, but I don't. Yeah, not. I don't not think sure it works. That's... I don't think it works no. that way. I, I think. I think he would still. I think it would still leave some visible marks. In fact, it Which certainly. It, does. it certainly seems to. <laughs> it definitely does. Um, yeah. So basically, but, it is, a, but again, a credit credit they really built the tension here because like they the, he takes his sweet time like 
like Sean is sitting there in the chair tied up with the mattress around, you know, is his head, uh, like, like, you know, like crying and, and Danny Baldwin is just standing there, uh, you know, holding the golf club next to his skull, like tapping a little bit, kind of like teasing him. And it goes on for a long time to the point where you're like, maybe he's not actually going to do it. And then wham, like it's, it's brutal. And I thought they did a great job building the tension there. And then he gets sent to the Surge slash the Source film. Right. And while he goes through a bunch of crazy hallucinations at night. Yeah, this is where it gets really Asylum-esque. And this is <laughs> this is definitely the weakest stuff in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The film suddenly turns into like a, a fetish snuff film or something, I felt. There's, yeah, all the hallucinations get like really fucking weird. He starts like, fa- he starts uh, again fantasizing about susan the wife of the the now widowed wife of the the accountant he killed which i mean he saw this woman once and he can't yeah, he can't get real. her out of his mind um this this kid had problems before he before he started getting beat up <laughs> i guess so yeah well definitely yeah this happens like numerous times mm-hmm. like at least four times it's sort of yeah repeat. just like every day it's like he's beat up during the day and then he goes. He has weird hallucinations at night. He starts losing his mind. Though, it does lead to my favorite moment in this movie, which is where he like loses. He he so loses his mind to the point that, on like day like four or five or what have you, two of the guys, the the low rent John Goodman and uh, another one of the uh, mobster stooges, yeah, are arguing. Three different mobsters in a ring. Are are arguing about who's going to 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 beat him today and they're like i i had to do it yesterday you do yeah i always do it and stuff and while they're arguing sean just picks up the the bit of mattress and just ties it around his head like he's just resigned to it which i thought was a really good bit of acting there yeah he's basically his mental state's pretty much gone at this point pretty um, pretty broken yeah yeah he's talking to one of, one of the nicer mobster people um who is somewhat friendly one of the yeah. yeah one of the three guys who's keeping watch on him doesn't beat him and at least kind of you know and it's yeah not really it's not really happy about the situations in at the moment mm-hmm. but uh he's talking and eventually um sean smashes the bottle and proceeds to try and basically kill himself with it um he tries to slit his throat yeah, uh, this fails, and um, they basically freak out, and everyone kind of leaves, um, except um, a Duke, who has to sit and watch uh, Sean for the night, make sure he doesn't do anything. Uh, Sean does some stuff, though. Um, he proceeds to then attack Duke and basically uh, rip out his throat, he, his mouth. He, yeah, he... he, he tackles him he's like he's like crouched on his little mattress growling like an animal for he leaps on him bites uh, around his neck and just tears out a giant chunk of flesh or just um, yeah so yeah at this point duke is dead. the other mob yeah at this point either of the other uh, mobsters come in and uh basically there's a little fight thing that happens um sean's friend from earlier uh basically comes the rescue yeah ray well yeah ray ray drives up uh as this is happening and then sean's friend immediately follows yeah so sean escapes hits one of the mobsters uh on his way in um breaking his leg i think 
Yeah. Uh, he escapes with his friend and they head back to LA. Um, while they're heading back home, I, I assume Sean explains this to his friend and his friend gets an argument with Sean. Um, even though Sean is clearly not in a state where he's, you know, logical. Yeah, his, his, his friend is like, his friend is like, you're crazy, like, like, you're crazy, like, you know, get on my van while, like, this guy who has, like, a giant, like, baseball size, like, like, well, uh, well on his, like, his, like, forehead and is, like, horribly bloodied and, you know, d- scarred and, you know, disfigured on his face and whatnot. I will say, I, 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 I did, I did give that scene some credit for the friend explaining how he found him, which I had a moment where I was just like, wait, what the fuck? How, how is he here? How did he find it? And he sort of explains, like, oh, I followed Ray. Uh, I, I looked at what was in the file, and uh, that's, you know, how I was able to find you. Uh, so, you know, I had a moment where I was like, okay, okay, all right, th- thank you for explaining that, because that was a huge plot hole that was all, all, almost, you know, fell into there. His friend is kind of awful though, because he does then kick him out of the van, He's, which is yeah, I mean, like yeesh. I mean, it's like a, <laughs> it's I don't know, it's a weird decision for the character. It's a weird, it's an I'd odd say. scene. Um, so he goes to the only place he knows where to go, which is the Midnight Mission, uh, headquarters. And uh, while he head there, he find while while he heads there, he finally runs into uh, Susan, uh, from earlier, who is of course the uh. The widow. Husband, yeah. yeah, the widow now. Of the man who's killed there. Whose name, I believe, was Erica. I think they reveal here. Uh, she brings uh, him in into the place. I don't know. It's kind of weird because the building seems much much smaller on the inside. This is like this sort of massive sort of warehouse-looking mm-hmm. building on the outside. I, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's a homeless shelter. That's kind of what they look like. <laughs> It's it's basically it, it's you you cram in as many bunks and and just sh- equipment and shit as you can in in what are uh very like lousy looking build lousy buildings that are not built yeah I mean yeah that that is that part is totally believable trust me hmm. um they sort of just talk about stuff she talks to him about how her husband died and he sort of he basically tells that the police did this to uh, him as sort of an alibi. Yeah, that's his, that's his uh, yeah, excuse for why he's bloodied and, and disfigured. And then it's it four and weeks fair, later. It's a, it's a totally believable answer. <laughs> yeah, and it skips four weeks. It'd be later more in the believable. Future. It would be more believable if he was black, but whatever. Yeah. Um. So it skips it skips four weeks into the future later, uh, and he's basically fine, completely, more or less. He's he's been there for like yeah a few weeks. I I, I could see that. I could see him yeah, recovering in a few weeks. It's pretty rapid though. I, won't, it's, uh, I don't know. Four I, weeks. I don't know. It's like under a month. I, I could see that. Yeah. I mean mentally though. Yeah, whatever. Well, he's not. He's not. I don't recover. know. He has not recovered mentally. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but he he heads back to his old house, but it's been basically trashed, probably due to the people searching for his documents. Um, and Susan then takes him into her house uh, to stay for a while. Um, so he's now living with Susan, and he, he's just super weird <laughs> this whole time because he gets all these sort of PS, uh, PSTD flashbacks. PTSD. PTSD flashbacks. Uh, yeah, when he enters the kitchen, he like has little flashbacks to like you know when he was killing uh, the the accountant, um, which I thought was 
decently done. You know, I thought it was okay. No, no, it's. <laughs> I was more discussing the fridge part and things like that. He con- he constantly slips up without talking to her about mentioning things he shouldn't know or doing things he shouldn't have knowledge of. See, for that, the, the he had such an easy out there for that one because there's a picture of the husband on the fridge. So, like, you could said the fridge, and she's gone. What? And he goes, "Oh, I saw the picture of your of your husband there," and she's like. Oh, she could have gone. Oh, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, this is a way he could have, like, you know, covered his, his, his ass, uh, but he didn't. He doesn't. It's just funny. Like, there's such an easy out given there that he doesn't take. For some reason, she finds that incredibly charming. <laughs> um, and so he, he sort of hangs out with uh, she, her, her yeah, daughter. She, she promptly falls for him, which, uh, which, is, okay. yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she basically falls in love, and they do it, and whatever. Um, things are going pretty swell uh, until she suddenly starts to remember where she saw him, and he's, she sort of yeah, remembers. He's, yeah, he's on a bicycle. Uh, it's it's um it's her husband's old bicycle. Um, he like tries it out, and there's a moment where he leans down to fix the chain. And suddenly she has a little flashback to seeing him as the, the 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 guy on the bicycle who was across the street watching uh her husband. Yeah. So she after this she basically begins to look for the documents um that he hid in the house. Yeah, he's been he's been clutching. Get rid of them. We we I don't know if we mentioned this, but he's been clutching on to that that file, the like the the those documents like the whole time, like even when he was like uh, uh, walking the streets, when he was like when he checked to the mission, when he was recovering, he was holding on to those the whole time, but but didn't open them. Yeah, and he sort of left it hanging around his room. Um, well, he though, hit, well he know. hid in the bottom drawer, I suppose. So I mean, you know, <laughs> the bottom drawer, sure. Uh, he freaks out after he remembers he hid those documents there <laughs> and runs over there to stop them when she, when because he know she does he doesn't know that she knows yet hmm. so it's obvious it it's pretty obvious that he just forgot about them completely the thing you've skipped over here is that they've uh not only fallen in love they have had sex they have they... I mentioned that oh I, I did you I said they did it that's all you need to know oh I missed it okay <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, anyway, there's a sex yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I don't I understand. Like, but yeah, they are they are like each for he forget, completely love. forgets about the documents though. He completely forgets about the documents and then remembers them at the bar. That like he ha- has the documents in the house and he freaks out and runs over to destroy them, basically. Which is the the logical confusion of that is is weird because he's clearly anxious about the documents already. He doesn't bother to get rid of them until right before she finds them. Uh, and then speaking of which, uh, she finds them. Um, and as Sean heads back to the house, um, she confronts him. And then she then tells she can't, he can't escape that she's locked every door. <laughs> now, hold on. She locked every single door and window from the inside of the house. Okay. <laughs> which stops him from getting out. What? <laughs> Why can't you just unlock the door from the inside? Well, ho, hey, this is Benji from the future. Sorry to interrupt, but unfortunately, my internet went out and we lost the Skype call, so we had to record at a later time. Anywho, that's all. I'll let you get back to the episode. 
I think I was talking about locked doors. Right. So she basically locks the doors after Sean comes in. Um, and for some reason, he doesn't try to open the again. Like, I don't understand why uh, Sean's not, like, you know, open the doors from the inside. What what kind of house door can you, uh, requires a key to open from the inside? Yeah. Surely there's numerous sort of issues um, with that in terms of, you know, gas inside the house. Oh, no, I locked all the doors in the inside. I can't get out now. It's basically a way of forcing the, the fight scene that ensues. Fight scene... It's basically, it's basically just them struggling for a little bit. It's she, struggling, she, she, and then he, and then he, he pushes his her head a little bit against the wall, and she gets knocked out immediately. Immediately, and dies. <laughs> big blood stain on the door, just immediately. Bonk. It's this tiny little thunk. It's not even like a clunk. It's a little thunk. Bonk. Sound hits, and it just smears blood, and she dies immediately. Immediately. Um. After this, uh, an un- an, un- an unknown amount of time skips. Uh, later. And um, we see him uh, in, back inside the desert home uh, from earlier, and he basically calls Ray uh, to face him in the desert place, desert yeah, house. He basically says, "Let's let's finish this." Yeah. Um, so Ray and his goons basically go to the house um, in revenge. Um, Sean is basically cleaning up all the evidence that he was ever there. Uh, he proceeds to chop off the Duke's head and burns it because that's where he bit his neck out we should we should explain so after he killed after he escaped where he killed duke apparently they uh they fro- they they wrapped duke's body in a big plastic bag and threw it in the freezer and left it there in the desert house just brilliant honestly yeah not sure why they did that it was a cool prop i'll i'll give him uh, uh i suppose they were just trying to get rid of the body isolated yeah date. but why not yeah why not just actually just get rid of the body yeah, it's, it's been four weeks if not longer it's absurd <laughs> it's he's been in there for <laughs> for a long time no one's ever bothered i guess it's a great guess prop, too but yeah it makes no sense also his whole motivation at this at this point uh, uh sean's motivation doesn't make a whole lot of sense because basically he's like okay i'm getting revenge after you know susan is killed uh you guys ruined my life it's like you're the one that killed Susan. I don't. I don't think the mobsters have anything to do with that, really. Yeah. So all the mobsters come in, um, and ensues very killers esque feeling to it. Mm-hmm. I'd say this scene. Um, he basically takes them out all one by one. It's actually it's going back to the LA Confidential thing. It actually does have a little bit of that that feel to it, but it's a sort of like uh, less artful, uh, you know, more um, Rambo esque, you know, LA Confidential. It's it's an isolated house uh, with various people that he has to kill. Yeah, um, he proceeds to set Ray on fire after they have a little confrontation. Right, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Basically, he uh, he he's he's basically rigged a, a truck. He has like a bucket of gasoline uh, nearby, and as he runs to the comes around the corner, Ray's got a gun, and he just like splashes the gasoline on his face. Uh, he jumps, lights my blaze, and yeah, yeah. He, he like he says he says like a couple of, like things. He lights a match and throws it at him, and that just instantly sets him on fire. Um, I wish, but they 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 cut away a little bit. Like when he actually like throws the match at him, you don't actually see him light up on fire. You just see then you just suddenly see a guy uh, uh, who's obviously not 
Danny Baldwin because there was no way they were going to get him. Yeah, the it's also it's also very obvious he's wearing like uh, face coverings. Yes, and hand yes, coverings. Yes, it's yeah. it's pretty obvious. But and yeah, he's on fire and stuff, and then he falls down. It's kind of like ah, uh, like because they did a decent job building it up, and I'm like, oh yeah, uh, you know, kind of kind of pulled out a little bit there, which is a weird place for the movie to pull its punches after like everything else this mm. movie has thrown at you. It's it's a weird moment to be like. Uh, we we don't really we're we're, we're going to kind of ch- cheap out on this a little bit. You're only going to get like a, l- a couple quick shots of him on fire at kind of an yeah. awkward angle. So, uh, Sean basically uh, the other two mobsters he knocked down the house. Um, Sean proceeds to walk in and starts basically shut all the doors and turns on the gas in the um, uh, oven. Also, these Trader Joe's bags in the background, too. Which oh, I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, they're just sort of there. Sort of the old classic Trader Joe's design. Um, he talks to the kinder mobster. And he's like, wait, don't kill me. I'm innocent. And he's like, but killing innocents is what I do. <laughs> he's got, like, full black pill by this point. He's just he, he's just adopted death as his philosophy now, which kind of comes out of nowhere, but whatever. It's been who knows how long it's been uh, since the unknown amount of time skip I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, so um, he walks. He he's too cool to look at the explosion, of course, as he walks away. Oh, the way he sets off the explosion is is a little silly, though. It, it felt a little like again, like they like they're building up to it. I'm like, oh yeah, and then the way he actually sets the explosion off is kind of like, well, that felt a little wimpy but okay but basically like he's sealed all the doors and windows he's turned on the gas he walks outside he takes some newspaper he stuffs it in a shoe and he lights it on fire and then he goes back to the house he opens the door and then he just tosses the shoe in and then like slowly walks away and i was just like i was expecting you to do something cooler like i don't know throw the shoe throwing the shoe for the window exactly that's what i thought he was gonna do that's what i was gonna do and i realized in real life the shoe would just bounce off the window but it's a movie <laughs> so i mean that's come on you know we could like you know we could do something fun with it um but yeah just he just kind of like like just like softball tosses it just like underhand tosses it and like i'm sort of thinking like well what you didn't you don't know how far the gas has traveled what if like you what if like you'd open the door and the gas is right there then you would have you know gotten yeah. uh, engulfed in flame uh but but he's fine he walks away the house explodes uh, which is kind of a cool moment um and then freeze frame credits that's the film it was okay it was good it yeah it's it's a decent film this it's, movie is definitely a brush of thre- uh, it's fresh a, air by asylum standards this is a great film and i think uh I'm giving it probably more credit than it deserves just because yeah. it's that is the the framework we're looking at it from. Um, but it is a, a very competent movie. It's a decent movie. Um, it's definitely got problems and it definitely has those asylum-esque moments like the weird hallucinations like the thing with the weird blob creature oh, uh, don't even oh. <laughs> i had to bring that up at get some this more garbage out of my I had, to, I had to bring that up at some point a weird blob creature that like threatens to eat him at one point it, it, it com- i am the least com- of thoughts and minds it's completely disconnected from the movie it just comes out of nowhere it's the weirdest thing 
So all of those moments felt very, you know, weird and, and stupid and asylum-esque. Uh, but overall, it's a solid movie. Yeah, this movie has a very good opening, for sure. A like, sp- the whole opening... Not, well, not opening by the whole sort of... I guess 30 minutes to film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You It starts off and you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be like a great, a really good movie. And then towards the end, it it, it kind of loses the pace a little bit and it, it gets a little, it bounces around a little too much. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have been more satisfied with an ending where perhaps maybe he kills the mobsters, but Susan remains in the dark and he gets to like have a weird sort of like half happy ending with that um you know sort of uh you know maybe maybe a little more goodfellas-esque you know sort of thing i don't know but um so so it, it loses steam towards the end but it's a decent movie um and there are moments yeah, sure. there there's some good acting there are some really effective moments in here um and yeah by asylum standards it's a, it's a fantastic movie <laughs> Yeah, this film was definitely um, written before it was directed, uh, which is something I can't say for Jane White or Killers Two. So, yeah, this is not yeah. yeah, this is not a vanity project. This was a this was an actual movie, um, and and yeah, David Michael Latt uh, and. What's his name? Rwandi, the other uh, Asylum co-founder. They they pro- I can't recall at the moment. They they both produced it, but uh, it seems like that was the extent of their involvement. Written and directed by like people who actually know how to write and direct a movie. So I guess I'll end it here. Uh, do you recommend the film? That's a that's a tough one. Uh, it's tough, yeah. Uh, because. There are so many, like, if you like an interesting sort of, like, psychological film uh, with, you know, with a sort of Tarantino-esque level of, like, you know, blood, violence, and a kind of visceral quality to it, um, I would say this movie has moments, and it comes really close to being, like, a genuinely good movie, but it falls just short of the mark. So like, hmm. I don't, I don't know who I'd recommend it. I don't know if I'd recommend it because it's like, it's too good to be an asylum film. It's not good enough to be like a good indie film, you know, yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, it's in that, it's in that troubled middle ground there. If you want to watch a good asylum film, <laughs> that's not the surge slash the source. You can watch King of the Ants because it's a bit more serious since the Surge slash the Source. I mean, yeah, this is a this is yeah too good to be an asylum film uh, kind yeah. of movie. The, this is an the, yeah this is an actual movie. Yeah, that's pretty. That it's, I'm happy with this film uh, and having to watch it. I I was engaged. I I I I you know I I stayed entertained. I I was like okay. Uh, I'm uh, take me where you will, movie. Mm, and well unfortunately i'm not sure we have the same experience next week <laughs> uh, we're gonna go back to it seems like the usual asylum adventure which is death valley the revenge of bloody bill Ooh. next week on enter the asylum a great title that's got me excited <laughs> all right uh, that's a podcast later folks later <laughs>